Welcome to Wellness Realness with Christina Rice. I'm your host, Christina. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner, holistic health coach, and the creator of ChristinaRiceWellness.com, where you can find my blog, recipes, services, programs, and ebooks. In this podcast, I'll be discussing all things related to health and wellness, and I promise to always keep it very real. If you'd like to submit a question or a topic for me to discuss, send it in to podcast at ChristinaRiceWellness.com. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a rating and a review on iTunes, and join the Facebook group, Wellness Realness Podcast Tribe. So I've decided that in the new year, I'm going to start sprinkling in shorter solo episodes, just about topics that I have been discussing often with people recently. So just things that have been on my mind, themes that keep popping up with different clients, friends, whoever, and I think might benefit you guys listening. And hopefully these help to balance out my other 150 two-hour-long podcast. But the topic of today's little episode is going to be something that is really targeted towards the women out there. I mean, most of my audience is female anyways, but I do have some awesome guys who listen. But I just feel like men don't really struggle with this problem as much. So, ladies, listen up. Some background. Well, like I said, this is just a conversation and topic that I have been chatting to clients, friends about very often recently, so I figured I'm sure there are a lot of other women who need to hear this too. I've worked with and talked to a lot of women who deal with a wide variety of health issues, whether that be hormonal related, digestive related, skin, mood, sleep, weight, everything in between, but I do see that a big trend is this problem of hormonal dysregulation, imbalanced hormones, and digestion are probably the biggest things I see. And I talk about taking a holistic approach when I work with people and when I'm trying to help people understand how to improve their lives and their health. And when people hear that, they usually think, okay, so she's talking about my nutrition, obviously, but then also my exercise and my sleep and my stress management and getting in some sunlight and drinking enough water and all of these things. But there is one piece of the puzzle that a lot of women that I work with and talk to just completely don't even, they don't talk about. And I think they push it out of their minds or they don't even realize how big a piece this plays in their overall health. And that is their sexuality and their relationships. And, you know, a lot of times I'll chat with women about their stress management and their relationships in their lives. And where that usually leads is a lot of talking about their jobs and their their bosses or coworkers, and then friends who are stressing them out or parents or any other family members. But most people just completely disregard the romantic relationships in their lives. I'm not saying everyone does this, but I know that this has been a, a very common theme with, with almost every woman I've worked with is I'm asking her questions and she's just not even thinking about that. 
whether that be the relationship that already is there or the lack thereof. When we're looking at our lives, there are a lot of components that a lot of people just want to leave out. So we're looking at our nutrition and our exercise and our health, right? But we're also looking at our home environment. We're looking at our career and our finances. Finances is another topic that a lot of women don't feel comfortable chatting about, which we'll get to in a second. We're looking at our education, our creativity, our spirituality, our overall levels of joy, our social life, and our relationships, our romantic relationships. All of those go into what makes a life full. And a lot of people hear that, but they don't really fully internalize it or take it to heart or put it into practice. So let me give you an example of this. That's really why recently this has just been coming up more and more often. So if you follow me on social media um, or you're in my my group, uh, my Paleo Woman Lifestyle group, you might have seen like there's a joke running that I'm the period whisperer because I work with a lot of women who have amenorrhea or lack of a period. And a lot of times when they just start working with me or chatting with me or join my program and they implement my advice, we, we get the period back, which is awesome. And it comes back for a variety of different reasons. But recently I've had quite a few, like too many to just not think about this, quite a few women um, telling me, you know, I had sex for the first time in a really long time and my period came back and I've had amenorrhea for like years. So I keep hearing this or I hear, you know, a lot of women might find that even if they just start dating again or they just start doing anything to focus on that aspect of their life, then all of a sudden other things fall into balance that they didn't realize were related. And this is often a tough point for a lot of people because they don't see the direct connection. And so sometimes when I'm chatting with someone, I'll say, you know, they'll be talking to me about their bloating or their irregular bowel movements or their hormone imbalances. And I'm like, well, so how's your dating life? Or like, what do you, you know, are you seeing anyone? Or when is the last time that you've had an orgasm? And they're just like, oh, I can't think about that right now. I have too much else going on. And that's a common one because a lot of times when we have symptoms, we don't feel like we want to go out and be in a relationship and deal with that. Or you think you're not in the mood to have sex or have an orgasm. But the truth is that that's exactly often the remedy you need to get everything else balanced into place. There are a few parts to this, and one, like I mentioned, is just that a lot of women don't see how the romantic side of their lives or the sexual side of themselves, like they don't understand how that would affect their hormones or their digestion or their acne or any other symptoms. That's one side of it. They don't understand that, that direct connection, and we as humans are always looking for logic and just answers and why, why, why. And then the other side of this is that for some reason, a lot of women just feel really uncomfortable talking about sex and sexuality and orgasms and anything like that. We'll talk about relationships, but a lot of women don't want to talk about sex. And I honestly didn't really realize this was such a taboo slash awkward topic for so many women until, until I got older and started working with clients. I think because personally... My friends in high school and in college, I mean, we all just talked about it and 
I mean, if you listen to this podcast, you know I'm someone who just doesn't really think that anything's awkward to talk about. Um, so I don't really think about things that way. But then as I started talking with, with more clients and kind of seeing these themes, I was like, wow, a lot of women are really uncomfortable chatting about that. And a lot of times they don't even realize how uncomfortable they are with it. They have this idea that talking about sex and orgasms and masturbation is dirty and gross, yet, I mean, men do it all the time, right? So such a double standard, as usual. I think that's one of the reasons why Melissa Ambrosini's book, Open Wide, and she's been on the podcast before, if you missed that episode, and she talked about that book, was was just so important for a lot of women to read and learn about, because Melissa is also someone who just doesn't see why any of those topics should be taboo, and she talks a bit about why they became taboo in culture, and with the topic of sex and other topics in general, what's happened is our culture has, has assigned meanings and good, bad, gross, acceptable, unacceptable. They've given these labels to different topics arbitrarily. We've just assigned a value to something and we could easily shift that label or meaning to something else. It's completely arbitrary. And I think it's really interesting to think about this in terms of evolution. So let's think about humans. Let's think about the cavemen and the cave women and how our life expectancy used to be much lower than it is now. And I mean, we even see this when you look at older stories, whether they be historical or fictional. We see this in tales where, you know, the Disney princesses are getting married and they're 16 or, you know, royalty in older times. These these girls were 13, 14, 15, 16, getting married, having children. And just in terms of evolution, people used to have children at a much younger age uh, because we needed to, because the human body wants to survive and reproduce. Like, that's basically, the, that's the, the body, the physical body's priorities. Survive, reproduce. I mean, what does it mean to be the, quote, fittest in terms of survival of the fittest? It means that you are the most likely to spread your genes to reproduce. So in order to make sure that happened and we would continue the population before we got eaten by a tiger slash die of an illness pre-antibiotics and antimicrobials and all of these things, um, people would have kids at a much younger age. People would have sex at a much younger age than what a lot of society now thinks is acceptable or what a lot of women think is acceptable but what prompted that to happen was that you know people went through puberty and experienced these sexual urges and desires the desire to have sex with the opposite gender is there for a reason it is a biological mechanism that is there to urge us to have sex so that we have babies before we die because that is what the body is thinking and I'm not saying this to, like, justify having sex at a certain age. Like, that's a totally other topic. Um, but my, my point is that it's unfair of us to assign labels in terms of good or bad urges slash shame people for wanting to have sex, wanting to orgasm. Like, that's a natural motivator that is part of our bodies, part of our brains for a reason, for survival. 
I think that when you think about it in terms of biology and evolution, it helps to sort of take away that feeling of guilt that a lot of people feel, a lot of women feel guilty or gross or wrong when they are in a a conversation around sex or orgasms or masturbating or any of that. But if you take the emotion out of it and just think about it for what it is as a natural mechanism, a natural part of the body, um, and it actually has health benefits, I find thinking about it that way helps a lot of women start to stop feeling so uncomfortable around this conversation and also start to understand a little bit more about why if you're not fulfilling that need by the body, if that part of your life and health is just not even touched or talked about, then that can cause other issues throughout your body because we know that all of the body's systems are interrelated and they all affect each other, especially when it comes to the hormonal system. Like we see this with, you know, your blood sugar, your adrenals, your sex hormones, they all interact with each other and there's no system in the body that's just in complete isolation. When we have sex or when we orgasm or when we cuddle or when we just have romantic feelings for somebody, that's going to release certain hormones in the body. And if those hormones are never being released, if we don't have enough of that in the body, then obviously other parts of our hormonal cascade are going to be affected. So let's talk about orgasms for a second and talk about the hormone oxytocin, which I'm sure many of you already know what oxytocin is, but oxytocin is also known as the cuddle hormone or the love hormone. It's a bonding hormone that helps to buffer up against stress hormones like cortisol, which is why orgasms can be a great stress reliever. But it plays a big role in the female reproductive system and our reproductive function from sexual activity to childbirth and breastfeeding. So we think of it as a bonding hormone and this is why oxytocin is released during childbirth and breastfeeding so that the mom and the baby can bond. And like we mentioned, you can also get that hit of oxytocin from orgasms, but you can also get it from hugs or cuddling. And when I'm talking about a hug, I'm not talking about like a quick, like, you know, those just like quick pat hugs. It's like a real solid hug, like a long hug. But let's go back to orgasms because I think that this is something that a lot of women are just uncomfortable with talking about. And let's talk about some of the shown health benefits from orgasms. The first of which I alluded to earlier is that orgasms can actually help to improve menstrual cycles. There have been studies that show that women who have sex more often are more likely to have normal menstrual cycles and women who don't have sex as often usually have shorter cycles and tend to swing on the side of low progesterone and estrogen dominance and this can lead to a wide variety of connected symptoms that many people know when they have hormonal imbalances like mood swings, weight gain, acne, fatigue which tends to get women in a cycle because when they're feeling like that, then they're just not feeling so hot and then they don't feel like they even want to have sex or want to orgasm and so they just avoid it because of those symptoms. But really, one of the remedies could be having more orgasms. And this is why, like I mentioned, there's no coincidence that all of these women I've been chatting with recently, once they started tapping into their sexuality again, all of a sudden their periods regulated, their hormones regulated, they got the period back. I mean, it's not magic, guys. It's hormones. Orgasms also help regulate your immune system, making your immune system stronger. 
I mean, we all know that chronic stress will make the immune system much weaker. And since orgasms are a great way to buffer against cortisol release, this is probably the mechanism by which an orgasm can help improve your immune system. And along the same train of thought, it can help you sleep better. Studies have shown that more orgasms lead to better sleep. Also, because of the cortisol response, blunting of the cortisol, but also because they stimulate the release of vasopressin, which goes along with the release of melatonin. And then along with the cortisol train of thought, we see orgasms lowering anxiety, social anxiety, and also lowering pain so they can help with your menstrual cramps. You're getting a release of oxytocin and other endorphins that will help to take away the pain. It's also been shown that orgasms can help with constant headaches. I see a lot of people who have chronic headaches and migraines. So, I mean, here's an option. Orgasms also help to slow down the aging process and are correlated with a lower mortality rate. How does this work? Well, DHEA, which many of us have heard of, which has to do with our bone density, body fat, muscle strength, overall well-being. Basically, it's a powerful anti-aging hormone and it starts to decline when you're in your 20s, but orgasms actually help to increase DHEA levels naturally. They can also help improve the look of your skin because you get this release of all these anti-inflammatory chemicals that are gonna help protect the skin and increase circulation in the skin, but then also they help to improve circulation throughout the whole body. And then we have brain power. There have been studies showing that more sexual activity is correlated with an increase in neurons in the hippocampus, which is involved with our memory storage. Now, of course, with all of this, um, it, it does level out. It's like how people make the argument that wine is healthy for you. But like most things and with exercise, whatever, there is a bell curve to this. So this doesn't mean that all the orgasms in the world is just monumentally better. But from the studies I've seen, it seems like most studies show that one to three a week is the sweet spot. So for all of you who like to run off of logic when you're making your decisions, because I know many of you are very logic-oriented, there's a more scientific explanation for you of why this is important to think about. But I think we all know that science is not my favorite subject, so I want to give an explanation in another context, much more up my alley. So we're going to talk about chakras. So I encourage you to go back and listen to my episode on chakras where I explain all of them. But in sum, the chakras are the energy centers in the body and there are seven different chakras and each chakra is related to certain organs and body parts and emotions. So we see when certain chakras are out of balance, physical dysfunctions and then mental or emotional issues. It's all connected. And the thing with the chakras is that We want, in terms of energy healing, we want all of the chakras themselves to be in balance, but we also want all of the chakras to be in balance with each other and in general. So if one of your chakras is out of balance, this can throw off the whole system and lead to physical or emotional manifestations of the imbalance. So the sacral plexus chakra is the one I'm going to focus on right now. And this is right above the root chakra below the solar plexus chakra. The sacral chakra is the second chakra. 
and it is the chakra connected with sexual and reproductive activities and then we also see it tied in with emotions and creativity also money material goods abundance all of those things are tied into the sacral chakra so usually when i am working with a woman who has amenorrhea no period or she has major hormonal dysfunction like imbalanced hormones or going through a big change, a big hormonal change in general, then the sacral chakra I'll see is out of balance. And so when we see physical manifestations of the chakra being out of balance, then what can help is to look at all the different things we can use to rebalance the chakra and to address some of those physical dysfunctions. It can help to look at the emotions associated with it, with that chakra and the activities associated with that chakra and try and add those into our lives. So let me just paint the picture in general of what it looks like when the sacral chakra is out of balance. So usually this looks like someone having a hard time expressing their feelings and they're out of touch with the sense of pleasure and they have relationship issues, whether that be romantic or platonic, any reproductive issues, or they just feel unstable or awkward or weird around different aspects of sexuality. Usually have feelings of shame and might feel very blunted in terms of creativity and even resentful. That has to do with birth in the sense of feeling like you can't birth your ideas into the world. And then it also might manifest in terms of having issues surrounding money, material goods, possessions, either just something weird going on with that or not having abundance in our lives. So some of the physical manifestations we might see are hormonal dysfunction, any reproductive issues, so any problems with the period, also chronic lower back pain, you might see pelvic pain or uterine, bladder, kidney problems in general. And then emotionally, we can see this come up as difficulty in relationships, trouble with feelings of guilt and blame, trouble around money, like we said, issues with sex and power, control, creativity, and even ethics. So sometimes there are emotional things that can happen to us at a young age that sort of set the sacral chakra off to be out of balance and it can be some serious traumas like any type of sexual trauma or abuse or gender issues but then we can also see this if we just aren't filling up those parts of our lives if we aren't embracing our sexuality if we aren't talking about it if we aren't talking about money if we aren't expressing ourselves creatively all of those can lead to imbalances in the sacral chakra So what do we do to get an imbalance? We use our emotions. We connect with other people. You want to be connecting with other people while also maintaining a strong sense of self. You also want to very freely express yourself in terms of creativity, but also emotionally and sexually. So if you aren't embracing your sexuality, this is where problems can arise with this chakra. So what does it look like when the sacral chakra is in balance? So we see a good flow. We're super creative we are in touch with what gives us pleasure we're able to share our feelings we have healthy relationships we are connected to our sexuality we feel really comfortable with this idea of abundance and money and having what we deserve earning what we deserve and we cultivate that abundance in our lives 
And there are basic easy things people can start doing to balance out their sacral chakra that, you know, seem easier for many people. So for instance, with any chakra, you can improve that aspect of your life by adding more of the color associated with the chakra to to your environment, maybe wearing it or even eating it. So the color orange is related to the sacral chakra. So maybe adding more orange foods into your diet and putting something orange in the area. (laughs) Um, You can also focus on different essential oils like rose is really good, sandalwood, lemon, ylang-ylang, wild orange, of course, and then we have different crystals that, that can help things like moonstone, sunstone, amber, carnelian. And then in terms of expressing yourself, things like journaling or writing or painting or just being creative can help to channel your emotions. And there are also certain movements that can help balance different chakras. So with something like the sacral chakra, dancing and hula hooping and that type of movement seems to really help put it back in balance. So those are easier things, but those are also honestly cop-outs. And so what I'm trying to explain to you is that if you are so out of touch with your sexuality and that side of your life and your romantic relationships or money, but just in this episode, I'm talking about the sexuality because this is kind of what's been coming up over and over with different people I'm talking about, then that could just be leaving your sacral chakra out of balance and maybe manifesting as your period problems or your lack of period or your crazy hormones, which is causing you to gain weight and have acne and be tired and have low libido and it feels like this cycle. And so sometimes you just feel like, sometimes it's the thing that you don't feel like doing is what you need to put things back into balance. And that's kind of the whole idea with energy work in general and chi and Chinese medicine is yin and the yang and bringing things back into balance. If a part of your life isn't filled, like you're just totally ignoring that one aspect, even if you have all of the other aspects lined up, you're still out of balance. And I think I see this a lot with the clientele I work with because a lot of women, um, it's just like this cycle where they're trying to focus on themselves and their health. And then so they are going after all of the standard health measures to take And they're really tuning with themselves and they just kind of put that whole part of their life on the back burner. But they don't realize that's putting them further out of balance and can sometimes be the reason why any hormonal reproductive issues present themselves. There's definitely a certain type of person who this affects more than others. So I see this a lot with the woman who is doing she is so frustrated because she feels like she's doing everything right she knows her hormones are messed up and she has taken the measures to transform her diet she's eating a perfect squeaky clean anti-inflammatory paleo diet she is focusing on her sleep she is getting plenty of sleep and she is trying to focus on stress management as well she is journaling and meditating She's cut back on her chronic cardio and her intense exercise. She's chilling out with her body in terms of that. She's getting in daily walks, doing some yoga. She's switched all of her Tupperware. She's using only glass, Pyrex. She's not using any plastics. And she has totally changed her personal care products. She's 
using only non-toxic clean skincare and makeup and hair care and body wash and she's paying attention to all of her environmental toxins. She's using essential oils and maybe she's seed cycling and she's trying so hard to do everything right, but she hasn't looked at this aspect of her life. And I'm not saying this is the answer for everybody, but I'm saying that I see this so often with women where as soon as they start to let go and have fun and explore the sexual side of themselves, then their hormones get back on track. (laughs) I mean, when we look at the numbers, we're seeing that we have such a health crisis on our hands in terms of, I mean many chronic health issues, especially autoimmune diseases, but look at the way our hormones are going. Like our infertility rates are very concerning with men and women. It seems like every woman I talk to, especially because so many women have been on birth control, um, their hormones are just so out of balance. And because we're just flooded with these environmental toxins, all these endocrine disruptors. And so that's really putting people in a tricky situation with their hormones and they're struggling with all of these different symptoms and they're just not feeling great. They feel bloated and tired and constipated and their periods are all over the place or missing or they're having hot flashes or they're breaking out and they can't control it, but they haven't looked into this side of things. But my point is, I don't think it's a coincidence that our infertility rates are pretty extreme right now. Things are going in a very negative direction in terms of our hormones as a whole, as a population. That that is coinciding with the fact that our generation is having less sex than any other generation before. And look, I'm not saying causation here, but I'm saying correlation and I'm saying there are contributing factors and I'm saying there's more to look at in, in the grand scheme of things. And this podcast is called Wellness Realness, and I am all about tackling everything, and this is why I love the energy healing, incorporating the energy healing and the nutrition and the lifestyle factors and all of this, because it's so multifaceted, and I'm seeing, like, honestly, every woman who who I see who I can tell is really uncomfortable talking about sex or orgasms or masturbating or any anything related to that is usually the same woman who's having hormone problems and not everybody but I just see a trend and so guess what maybe you're you are doing everything else right but maybe what you need to do is you need to start dating maybe what you need to do is you need to start masturbating maybe you need to start having sex or maybe you just need to find someone to cuddle with or maybe you just need to like embrace your sexuality and feel like a sexual person. Like maybe you just need to identify as a sexual person because I know a lot of women when they've gone through these health issues, especially chronic ones, start to just feel like they aren't sexual anymore and like they're undesirable and they just don't have any libido. And I mean, part of that has to do with your hormones and and what's going on in your body, but part of it is a mindset and it leads to this cycle. And I want to be clear, I'm not <laughs> I'm not advocating running around having sex with every person you you see, but I'm encouraging you to just think about if you identify as a sexual person, if you embrace your sexuality, if you're uncomfortable with the thought of having an orgasm or uncomfortable with sex or uncomfortable with your body in that way or just this whole topic, if you think that masturbation is something dirty and to be ashamed of, if you have guilt around sex, if you are weird with touching people if you don't like to cuddle, if you don't like to hug, like all of these things to start thinking about that. I know some women who literally don't like to watch sex scenes in movies. Like 
like PG-13 movies, they feel uncomfortable seeing other people make out or have sex. And I, I mean, there's just, we got to take away that stigma and that label. It's just a part of life. And then I also see this with people who are in relationships and, you know, they think like, they think, oh, well, my relation, the relationship part of my life, the romantic part of my life is filled. I have this great boyfriend. I have a great fiance, a great husband. He's amazing. Love him. So no problems there. So let's talk about everything else. But then when you really come to find out, like, is their sex life even active? Probably not, because usually when people are having all these hormone issues, they don't feel like having sex. There's just a lot that goes into this whole topic and the stigma around it. And I know part of it is just this cultural thing, how, you know, adults like get mad at teenagers for wanting to make out in the corner and whatever but then we have these other aspects things like religion and school and I know like I mean I went to Catholic school growing up and we were taught that like anything related to sex or anything sexual is you know we don't talk about that bad 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 and then I went to public school and realized like no one else gives a shit about it and it's just a normal part of life and again I'm not like trying to tell you how sexually active you should be or what your limit should be like that's everyone's own personal decision but what I'm saying is just like at its core level if you are completely out of touch with any sense of sexuality at all like you feel uncomfortable talking about it you don't ever have any romantic relationships or the romantic relationship in your life isn't really that sexual and you're not expressing yourself in that way or if you like haven't had an orgasm in a long time or have never had one then I mean, this could be an issue. This could be something that's holding you back from rebalancing your sacral chakra and rebalancing your hormones and getting your health back together. You can be taking all of the supplements in the world, all the right supplements, eating perfectly clean, exercise on point, and if you but if you're not attacking all of these these different areas of your life, then it just I mean, it's gonna be out of balance. So I don't know what you want to do. You can do whatever you want to do, but I just encourage you, if you think this might be the missing piece, to start exploring that side of yourself. Maybe this just means going out on some dates. Maybe this means just starting to become comfortable with this topic. Maybe it means having more sex. Maybe it means masturbating. Maybe it means rekindling your relationship with your already significant other. Maybe it just means learning more about the topic to get comfortable with it. Maybe it means literally just shifting your thoughts so that you no longer feel like this is something to feel guilty about thinking about or talking about, just literally getting comfortable with chatting about this topic. All of those things are potential routes to take. And I mean, I don't know your situation, but I think you intuitively know what you need. I think a lot of women are worried about being a slut, being called a slut, and being seen as easy or whatever and first of all no one can assign that label to you it's just bullshit second of all you can definitely embrace your sexuality and be comfortable with sex without just like having sex with any random person on the street that's not the same thing honestly that's just almost going the other direction the wrong direction (laughs) um my point is that embracing sexuality is not the same thing as being promiscuous. It really just means being comfortable with that part of your life and fulfilling it in whatever way feels good for you. With these types of things, I feel like a lot of people like to swing on 
one side of the pendulum or the other and they have a hard time reaching that middle balance but that's kind of where you want to get is wherever your middle balance is so you can see issues if you're not paying any attention to the sexual or romantic side of your life and you can also see issues if you're on the total opposite end of the spectrum and that's kind of all you're thinking about and doing but you got you can find balance with it it just means respecting that side of yourself and acknowledging that it is an important part of the body and our hormonal cascades and it's it's not something to feel guilty about if you have sexual urges or desires in fact if you never have any then this is probably an indicator that like there there's something going on and so we need to start tapping into that Honestly, I know one person who literally just was so uncomfortable with this topic and she just started reading romance novels because that was a step she felt like was doable, approachable. So she went with that and it totally changed everything for her. And now she's not embarrassed to think about, talk about this subject and her hormones got back on track. Like that is, that is cool. Okay. Meanwhile, like I mentioned before, you know, I've, it's just been super interesting to me in the past month, how many people have told me, hey, I started dating, hey, I've started being more sexually active with my partner, or I just had sex, or I tried masturbating, and I got my period back a week later, or my acne is starting to go away, or I'm not bloated anymore, and all these things that they didn't realize um, could be connected. Remember what Hermione Granger said, because she knows all. And she said that fear of a name only increases fear of the thing itself. So this is why we you got to start talking about it if you don't already talk about it. And if you don't think about it, if you feel dirty or gross thinking about it, which women have told me before, there's no reason to. People are so on board now with self-care and like doing things that make them feel good and blah, 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 blah. And that's all super wellnessy. Yet let's think about just pleasure in the general sense. And there are other aspects to pleasure. Like, yeah, pleasure can be, you know, curling up and reading a good book and doing a face mask and that's fun. But there's also a sexual type of pleasure that you as a human shouldn't feel bad about wanting. It's totally natural and guys talk about this stuff all the time and don't think twice about it so I don't know why so many women feel like they can't talk about it hashtag feminism and remember I'm just talking about bringing everything into balance it's also an issue like I said if you swing in the total opposite direction um but I just want to bring this up because I have just this is just this topic has been coming up over and over again and I'm loving seeing how many people how many women are just finally starting to like explore that side of themselves get out there and start dating or you know reviving their relationship that they're in that they kind of let let go while they're trying to deal with their own shit and it's improving their health in ways they never realized so if you have a lot of hormone imbalances if you are missing your period if shit's going on and you hear this and you think okay, I probably don't fully embrace my sexuality, like I don't even see myself as a sexual person at all, then maybe look into this aspect of your life. And I know it can feel difficult when you feel like your symptoms almost prevent you from being able to step into that, but you're just feeding the cycle. And sometimes to get out of those symptoms, you just gotta, you just gotta go for it. Just don't let the symptoms hold you back and see 
see embracing this as a way out of those symptoms rather than something preventing you from embracing your sexuality. And really at the root of it, seeing yourself as someone who is sexually desirable because I really think that's the root of it. Every woman I work with who has a lot of these hormone imbalances, like when you really get down to the root of it for so many people, it's like they don't see themselves as sexually desirable. And then as soon as they do anything that starts to get them to open up and see themselves as sexually desirable, the hormones start to fall back into place. So that's what I wanted to cover with you. Maybe you need to orgasm to get your period back, etc. If this podcast has made you uncomfortable at all, then this is a big sign that this is probably important for you to hear because you need to start thinking about it. Maybe you should go out on a date or maybe you should read Fifty Shades of Grey, whatever floats your boat. If there's a woman in your life who you think this might help, you should send this episode to her and be like, yo, I mean, I don't want to say anything, but like... (laughs) Here's what you need to hear. Being able to embrace your sexuality and want orgasms is a sign of a healthy functioning body. All of our hormones are interconnected and this is just one piece. So just as important as it is to balance your blood sugar and support your digestion, you also need to make sure that you are paying attention to your sacral chakra and doing something to balance out that that side of your life. I hope that you enjoyed this and I hope that it gave you something to think about. I just think that there are so many women who might not realize that this is a contributing factor to their hormone issues. So maybe you just need an orgasm. Maybe you need a really good cuddle. Maybe you just need to start just emotionally being comfortable with the idea of having a romantic relationship with someone. There are many different options for this. But I hope this helps to give you something to think about. And I know there are a lot of healthcare practitioners who listen to this as well. So with your clients, do you ask them questions about their romantic life? Do you check in on that? Because maybe that's a missing piece of what you need to ask them about when you're checking in on how their overall life is. When we're talking about taking a holistic approach, this is part of it. And this is also part of breaking the stigma. Women should not feel insecure or worried or ashamed about talking about anything related to sexuality. Because honestly, sometimes it's literally just that the person is uncomfortable thinking about it or talking about it. Not even that they need to go out and date, but sometimes they just need to be able to think about it without feeling uncomfortable or like they're a bad person. And I know not every woman struggles with this. Um, Many women don't, but I have come to realize that many women who I'm chatting with and who might be listening to this podcast might might need to check in on this part of their lives. I know you guys are getting excited about balancing your chakras, so let's not forget about the sacral chakra. If it's looking a little dead and dry in the sacral chakra, we need to start giving it some life. You know what I mean? So I hope you enjoyed this little quickie podcast, pun intended, and I encourage you to do something today that has to do with sexual health, awareness, Maybe you'll watch a steamy movie with a really hot guy or a TV show or maybe you'll read a romance novel or maybe you'll go text that cute guy that you've been thinking about or maybe you'll call up your boyfriend or husband and be like, hey, let's do something tonight. I don't know. Do whatever floats your boat, but just think about it. All right. I hope this gave you some insight and I'm not making this up. So many people have, I mean, this is 
I'm trying to share some of my secrets about being the period whisperer, and this is one of them. It's a potential, potential trigger for getting the period back on track. So there you go. Okay, that's going to be it for this episode. I'll be back with you soon with a guest. And in the meantime, have a wonderful day. Have a beautiful day. Enjoy yourself. And I will talk to you again next time. Bye.